All right, good morning, church. Take out your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 13, is where we're going to be this morning. And also, if you wanted to switch, uh, just hold your finger there and move over to Romans 10, 17. I'll be reading there in just a second uh, from there as, as well. Um, just real quick, a promo of our next sermon series. In a few weeks on February the 27th, we're going to uh, have a series on temptation. Temptation. You have to show up, okay? Because all of us deal with it, right? How many of you have been um, face-to-face with those demonic Girl Scouts <laughs> at the shopping center recently? I saw them first time a few weeks ago. Since you again. All right. Felt like I was on a standoff. I did good for a few days, you know, trying to say you have no power over me any longer. <laughs> and then I had cash in my wallet and it pretty much got emptied. I bought the whole table basically. I think it was like three boxes. And with the help of my family, by the, by the way, we eliminated those boxes in uh, about a day or two. Uh, so they're all gone. The peanut butter and the thin mints, right? Mm. Mm. So I feel like we need a lesson on temptation. And uh, also, the, the week we begin that series will be the week where we begin Lent. Uh, it, Christians for thousands of years have, have uh, calendared our, our yearly calendar leading up to Easter. Um, we enter in that 40-day period where um, you know, Jesus enters into the 40 days to be tempted, to be tested. Um, and so we will begin a series along those lines uh, about temptation uh, for that 40-day period as well. And so I'm really looking forward to that. I hope you'll join me in that. Invite a friend. If you know someone that battles temptation, bring them, right? Which is everybody. So they sh- you should invite them. All right. I'm going to read uh, this, the verses today, uh, Matthew chapter 13. I'm going to read verses 1 to 9. And then I'm going to skip down and read from 18 to 23 for obvious reasons. You'll know when we get there. And then I'm going to read Romans 10, 17. So just as I read, just follow along with me. Let's uh, meditate on God's word and let God speak to us. Matthew 13, verse 1. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they were withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. 
when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop, yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word here. And uh, Lord, we just pray you take this time that you'd speak to our hearts. Uh, Lord, that you'd give us ears to hear, eyes to see, hearts that understand. Um, illumine what needs to be illuminated in our hearts, in our lives, in our minds. And Lord, take us where you want us to go. Bring us to a greater level of surrender. And we pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, so we're in our last week of our series, Bless. The whole object of this study for these last four weeks leading up till today, the fifth week, has been that we would be a people who living on purpose with the Lord, the purpose that he designed for our lives, that we would be a people that blesses, that is a blessed, that is blessed and is a blessing to the lives of people around us, that we would be a person who produces spiritual flourishing in our world uh, and all the contexts in which we might find ourselves. And we've talked about these principles and each of these principles sort of uh, builds on itself and all five are essential to the process. Um, they highlight a biblical principle of something that needs to be involved. Um, and first is begin with prayer. And we talked about that on week one, that prayer is the foundation of it all. Uh, listen and being people who are good listeners and seeking to understand before being understood. Eat and the power of assembling around a meal and all of that being in the Bible. Serve Loving others, uh, love is a verb. When you love someone, you serve them, you meet their needs, you love them as you love yourself. This is the calling of God on every person. Um, and so serving is a part of that. But today, we find the, the, the second S in the blessed acrostic, and it is story. Story. And I hope you're following along in the book along with me, and hopefully uh, this next week you're going to at least be in the story section of the book. Um, I'm traveling parallel with the book, but I'm dealing with it from a different um, perspective. The last couple of weeks, last week I dealt more of a theological, less than a how-to, because the book does the how-to. And I'm going to do the same thing this week. Um, this week the book goes into more of a, a, a story, the power of sharing your story, and then the how to share your story. How to share your story in a winsome way with others. Um, I'm going to go more theological. I'm getting a little bit practical at the end. Um, but I'm going to go more theological based on our text today. And why you should share your story from God's perspective and how God uses it in people's lives. And I'm going to come from a little bit more of a theological place. And the basic reason why you should share your story, share God's story with others around you, is because the way that God's kingdom advances in the world is through a message that is shared through a story that is told. God's kingdom, according to his word, does not advance with a sword or military might or governmental control or manipulation, coercion, trickery, 
Um, really of any external force, Paul says, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. We don't use the same weapons that are used to take over nations and, and, and advance a kingdom. We don't use any of those weapons. In fact, our, our weapon is a message. It's a message. And so the kingdom of God advance, advances through a message that is shared, a story that is shared. Heart to heart. All around the world. Um, the analogy that Jesus gives us is the kingdom of God, the message of the kingdom, is like a seed. And it starts small, it seems seemingly insignificant, weak, powerless, and yet the seed houses all of the potential of a great forest when it is placed in the right um, conditions. Well, the message of the kingdom is just a message, right? It's just words. And what are words? What are real words? How much power does really words have? Uh, we know words have a lot of power. But words can be seemingly powerless and harmful, harmless and weak. Um, if it's what we're relying on to advance our cause, words, just words, uh, it seems like it would be a weak approach to doing that. But the message of the kingdom that Jesus says... The message of the kingdom, when received into the heart, when a person believes, when they receive the word into their heart, it begins to affect everything in that person. It starts to have effect, but then it, its ultimate goal as the seed, it wants to take over everything in the heart of that person and then every aspect of their lives and even the lives around them. This is the power of the message of the kingdom to totally transform the life of the individual who receives it and those around them. Much fruit. Great fruit. And so from a mere theological perspective, you can actually do all four of the principles we talked about coming up to this point. Begin with prayer. Listen, eat, and serve other people. And still, and still you haven't actually shared the most fundamental essential element necessary for the advancing of the kingdom, which is faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. And so this is an essential week, an essential aspect of a person that produces spiritual flourishing in your life and the lives of others around you. And so I do avoid saying this very popular phrase, and I'm sure you've heard this before. Um, preach the gospel every day, and if necessary, use words. Right? You've heard that? Developed by a monk. And you know what? Honestly, I get the spirit of that phrase, and I honestly agree with the spirit of that phrase. And what that phrase is talking about is if you neglect the first four principles of bless and all you do is share a story or proclaim a message, um, you're obviously um, you're, you're going to miss a whole lot of other things that make the foundation of that message um, something that people would actually listen to, right? And so it's not... It's, it, we, we don't want to just um, not serve people or love them or pray for them or consider their needs and listen to them. Uh, no, and just proclaim and be good at proclaiming um, only. Uh, it's, it's a limited, 
it's a limited way of approaching being a blessing in the lives of other, other people. But so I, I get that phrase, and I actually agree with it in some sense. Our lives and the, the contributions we make to others and the concern we have for others and the, and the needs we meet, those are the, those are the foundation or the platform by which our message is to be proclaimed. And so not to have that foundation is, is um, short. But the process is not complete. You can do all four of those things and then miss the most essential thing. And so this is, this is an essential week. Jesus says this, the message acts like a seed in the ground. The message of the kingdom. What does he mean by message of the kingdom? I mean, what is that? What is that? What aspect of God's story is that? Well, the message of the kingdom that Jesus is talking about is quite a broad range of meaning. And, and, and fills the wholeness of the gospel message, God's message, um, and lots of aspects of that. It's centrally focused and everything tied to the person of Christ, his birth, his life, his suffering, his death, his resurrection, his ascension. Absolutely, that's the gospel in a sense, but it really involves everything about the story of God leading up to him and all the prophecies being fulfilled and everything pointing to Christ and all of God's revelation. But not only that, actually you hearing that message and how it's affected your heart and what God's done in your life and your story of that also is involved in the idea of the message of the kingdom. And so it's, it's, it's quite wide in its variety of different aspects, all tied in the person of Jesus, but quite broad. Uh, in, in its variety of different aspects of that story that one could share. You could talk about the principles of Proverbs with someone and be sharing a, an aspect of the message of the kingdom uh, with them. Um, so it can be also presented in various forms, not just uh, a verbal. You could write it, you can say it. You can actually sing it. You can write poetry of the message of the kingdom. In fact, in fact, Augustine, one of the greatest contributors to Christian theology in the first few hundred years of the church, says he was converted initially by hearing children sing a song. Um, and as they heard that song, he fell under great conviction. And the song basically said, take up and read. And it was a song where it was repetitive, take up and read. And what that meant was it was teaching children to take up the word of God and to read it. And them singing that song, he actually attributes that to be the moment of his conversion. And then think about Augustine's contributions. Vast, the power of the seed of the message of the kingdom can come from a child singing a song they learned in Sunday school. Variety of ways, variety of methods, all message of the kingdom. Also, let me add, it's not just one time. It's varieties of ways and methods at various times and seasons and all types of constant sharing. And um, God has multiple people sharing multiple things from all kind of different angles. So sometimes you think, you know, you're probably the only person who 
would speak for Christ in the life of a person, maybe at work or whatever it might be. And what you realize is they got an uncle wearing them out at home, <laughs> and they got you wearing them out at work, and they got some other person wearing them out in some other con. And God just got them, got them coming from all angles. And guess what? That, that's the way the message of the kingdom works is that there's different mouthpieces from different types of people, different stories, all pointing, all connected to this person of Christ. But it's various. So when Jesus tells us the message of the kingdom, it's, it's, it's like seed scattered on the ground. The message, the word being proclaimed. And Jesus tells us that um, there is a sower. And he never clarifies in that second portion of scripture or anywhere else who the sower is. So it leads us to guess uh, who the sower is. And here's the point I think that that is the case. The reason why I think he doesn't really tell us who it is is because it doesn't matter who it is. The message of the kingdom is the message of the kingdom, and it can be shared by anybody. Anybody can be a sower. And the point there is that the power power of the seed is in the seed, not in the sower. You can have a skillful hand, skillfully putting seed on the ground, and then you can have an accidentally fall off the wagon. And it fell on the ground, and it still is going to produce the same thing. The power of the kingdom is in the message, and it's not in the messenger. It's in the message of Christ doing its work. A pastor with a Ph.D. preaching, sowing seed has its effect, and a child singing a song can have that effect. It can totally transform the life of any human being and create Great spiritual flourishing in the life of a person and totally transform the whole landscape of their whole life, every paradigm. That's the power of the message. It's the seed. But the main point of the parable is teaching about hearing well. Jesus was sharing the parable to make sure that the hearers are, know how to listen to the kingdom message. And when someone believes that message, that's where the, flip, the switch is flipped. I've heard it, and when I believe it, the switch is flipped. It's the point. It's the critical point that Jesus is really pointing at here. And so Jesus clarifies that those who do not believe the word, they got the hard path. And the seed comes and it gets taken away. They don't receive the word. It doesn't have its effect because it never got in. It was never believed. And yet to others... Who do believe, they receive the word, and Jesus says a process occurs in them. And it's, and it's a progress process. It's not all, everything, all, the, all at one time. There's, there's, a, there's a moment where it comes in and the power starts being felt, felt and affected, and it begins a process of taking over everything. And the goal of the word in a believer's life, a person who believes, is for that word to take over 100% of their life. every area of their life, every area of their heart, every area of all their choices, and not only them, but every area of all the other people around them in the world as well. Much fruit. Much fruit. And so you see where this is going. You want to be a blessing to the people around you? It comes from the word of Christ having all of you 
No area left unchecked. No area left un, no stone left unturned, if it, as it were, in your heart, in your choices, in your life. All of it eventually being yielded totally to Christ. So it begins as a seed, processes through growth. Eventually it's a total lordship of, area, of, of every area of your life to Christ. And they become a blessing. A blessing. Well, there's a problem here, right, that Jesus mentions in the soils. And it's, it's, it's a process that begins to run into challenges to fruitfulness to the last couple, right? And Jesus mentions a few things that causes this growth process to get stuck and fruitless. Fruitless. Initially, some receive it with joy, but we understand how this works with shallow ground. Uh, he gives this person, uh, the, the, the hindrance in this person's life is the moment they run into what I call the two P's or the two D's, however you want to look at it. Persecution and prosperity or difficulties and distractions. He says he runs into uh, troubles. And the troubles word can really mean not just trouble that's brought onto you for being a follower of Christ by other people. It's troubles in general in life. Uh, just, just hardships that come in life. Difficulties. And someone gets into difficulty and they say, how do I reconcile this difficulty in my life with a God who says he's love? And they process that and it causes them to run into a block, as it were, a growth block. Um, and it says they fall away. In other words, meaning they're, very, they're fruitless in their life. They, they get hung up there. Um, but also distractions of life. But persecution is also involved. You run in and you're living, like I said last week, you're living this direction. Everyone around you is living this direction. You're living in a tension. You don't want to live in a tension anymore. You fold in some way. And then the fruit is an issue. doesn't lead to much fruit. But then distractions, prosperity, the appeal of money and, and pleasure and power, um, these types of things that come in. I believe there's a whole lot more things that Jesus could have talked about with these soils. I mean, just look at the Sermon on the Mount. There's a whole lot of other areas he dealt with that are similar to these particular subjects. There's more things that can be discovered as the Word begins to dwell in our life and begins to expose things and wants to make more fruit in our lives. Um, but he talks about the distractions of life, the idols of life that we don't seem to let go of when he exposes it in our hearts from the message, from the Word of the, of, of the message of the kingdom. It begins to make its way and it begins to expose things in our lives and we don't forsake in that moment. We don't obey. We don't follow in and yield to Christ. And give him that area. Um, and so it chokes off fruit, the blessedness that he wants to have through our lives. And so the first point that I want to make, I'm going to just make a couple of points here as we think through these things. And the first one is, let Jesus have all of you. That's his point. Give my word totality of lordship in your life. He talks about the Matthew 7, where he says the wise and the foolish builders. The foolish builders is the ones who heard, and then they didn't do what Jesus said. And the wise builder was the person who heard what Jesus said and actually did it. Worked it into their life. Worked it into their choices. Aligned their life more with the teaching of Jesus. More and more as they learn and grow from the teaching of Jesus. They align everything with him. They align their choices. They align their heart. They align their lives with him. And as they do, they're growing in wisdom and they're growing in fruitfulness. You can kind of parallel all of these things in the word of Christ. But the point is this. Let Jesus have all of you. Now let me 
say this pastorally. There may be times when what I, what I really want to say is let all that you know of you yield to everything you know about him. Everything true about him. Because there's a process where you're going to learn more. And there's a process of discovery. But have the posture of your life where you are always allowing everything you know to be true of you to yield to everything you know to be true of him. Every stage of life. Because there's going to be times and who knows, you may go a while and you not feel like there's any contradiction to choices you're making or things you're feeling. Um, and he hasn't exposed that yet. But then there comes a day when he does expose it. And then you get into a choice here. Now I see, I see how I'm wrong in a thinking or an emotion or a feeling or way I, the way I view another person that I shouldn't or whatever that might be. And when you get to those places, you go, I'm wrong, you're right, it's wrong, I want rid of it, I yield to you, Christ, and I repent and I form that area of my life to you. So let Jesus have all of you means in process. All that you know to be true of you right now, to everything you know to be true of him right now, yield to him. And if there's ever a time in the process of learning more of Christ and learning more about the word of the kingdom uh, and it exposes things in your life, at that moment, yield it. it. Yield it. If there's ever a time when you've known you got off track and you did it and you know it's wrong, yield again. Come back. Okay? So this is a process. It's not just a one-time, I did that thing. This is a lifestyle of rhythm, of growing in the word and letting it have all of you. Let Jesus have all of you. Secondly, sharing from a place of natural overflow from your heart. The message of kingdom is shared best when it's a genuine, authentic overflow of your heart, sharing in a context with another person, and you're doing it from your heart as best you can. What I'm pushing against here is using presentation style, canned approached with people personally. It can come across as a sales pitch. Now, learning to share the gospel, learning principles of sharing the gospel, evangelism explosion, faith, all, all the ones that you use, those are all wonderful, especially for new believers who've never really thought about how to share the gospel with someone and trying to make it concise. Um, it's wonderful. I call it uh, training wheels. But the goal eventually is to get those training wheels off and come to a place where you can naturally, just naturally, out of the overflow of your heart and what you know about Christ, you can share faithfully in a moment. That is the mo that's where you're most powerful. That you can just share a word in any moment in the context and it's natural, it fits right in and you're going with the conversation in a person and you're just letting your heart be poured out, what is in your heart, the word of Christ in your heart to them in a personal way. Because in our culture, many times, canned presentations can come across as inauthentic. So we just have to be careful with relying on an acronym or whatever it might be in the context of sharing with another person. Yes, useful. 100% I encourage it. But let that be like training wheels to get you to a place where you're truly sharing what's in your heart with another person. So sharing your story help, helps you. Just speak from your heart. Tell what God has done in your life. Tell what you know to be true of God in, in your life, okay? Most people will connect with you if you're just sharing what's in your heart and letting it, letting it be known. Listen for receptivity. I'm actually not going to go into all these, but I do want to show you the graphic. I was at a crew presentation this past week. 
You know, Jesus talks about soils and receptivity and who's open and who's not um, and all of those sorts of things. And the seed finds its way in and, and it has great impact on some people's lives and then nothing on another person's life and the difference is belief and receiving. Um, but I want you to look at these different categories. All, all of them should be listed up here. You have from the anti-dogmatic, actually comfortable is number two. Sorry, it should be down between anti-dogmatic and anxious. Um, crew did a study and research in our culture of America, and they said they asked thousands of people across our country in different cities all across the country, um, all these different types of religious questions, and the people didn't know it was actually a Christian study. They just thought they're answering random questions, and they had all these random questions, and all the, after all the research was done, they collected all the evidence, and they, and they basically said, in America, there's basically seven seven different uh, quadrants of where people are and how they view religion, Christianity, and that sorts of thing. And they personalized it by saying uh, the anti-dogmatic, they had a girl named Jen. Jen actually spoke, and this is an actual girl, that, they, that represented a whole quadrant of people that had these same sentiments. And she's basically saying, like, I'm anti-Christian, I'm a non-Christian, and I'm fine with being a non-Christian. I actually like some of the values of Christians, but I reject the whole thing totally because I've looked at all the denominations and I reject it all. Now, this is the hardest position uh, that they found in America. And I, I can hand you these cards later if y'all want to look at them. But you start way out with that person, okay? And how many of those people are in Austin? I'm sure they're here. They're just completely against Christianity, and for whatever reason, it may be a personal reason, it may be because of our, our stance against homosexuality and the practice of it, or gender, or whatever this might be. Whatever positions we have, they have discounted us and they've said, you're out. And then you have the comfortable, and this is the guy, um, he was, uh, actually his name was Alan. Uh, he, he grew up in an affluent area, felt educated, traveled the world, felt like in his education that, that Christianity is for people with a crutch. Um, things like this. And so he's open to talking about it, but he's actually really comfortable in his life and he doesn't feel like he has any problems. He doesn't feel like Christianity offers him really anything, but he's not necessarily against having a conversation. Uh, Jen was more against having a conversation. I don't really want to get into it. Okay. So a little bit more open. And then you have Danielle, who's the anxious. Um, Danielle is curious about faith, um, doesn't like some things about Christianity, likes other things, and actually wants to live by other things in Christianity. So she had this little bit of confused kind of position, and there's a lot of people in our country, but a confused, I'm living according to some principles of Jesus, um, I reject totally others, um, and she's in this particular thing. But the, for her desire for purpose and community, she's actually open to talking to Christians and actually open to the message of Christianity and learning more about it. Then you have Aaron, who's like a real seeker, grew up Catholic, he's a Hispanic young man. Uh, this is another segment, and he's called the Explorer. And he grew up Catholic, but then he got to college, and he saw that there's other faiths, and he began to be the other faiths, like particularly Baptist, he got um, uh, invested in, and he began to learn different ways of thinking. And he's a real pursuer. He, he knows there's a God. He doesn't know exactly who God is. He believes Christianity is a good thing in many ways and not others. Um, but he doesn't really know where he fits, but he's an exploring, and he's open to conversations with Christian. Then you have Crystal. Crystal um, because of some senses of the church, she, we call her the disillusioned. And this is a whole segment of people out there that maybe have had growing up in the church but feel disillusioned by the church. Maybe the racism of the church. They begin to point to some of this kinds of thing. Uh, the the religion, religions have used in the past. Um, the, the, the argument for slavery. Okay, and all of these things. This is among the people in disillusion. And they're walking away from the church and all these types of things. But they are open to aspects of Christianity. And they're very, very disillusioned by other aspects. And they're a little bit bitter. 
but they will 100% have a talk about purpose, changing the world, um, community, friends. They love, she would be absolutely open to that. Then you have Wes. Wes is a new believer, doesn't know exactly what he believes. He just knows that he was touched. Um, and he is actually growing in his faith. Um, he, begins, he began to be invested by some friends of his. His life was changed. He's growing in Christ, but he doesn't know exactly what that means. Or he doesn't know how that fits with the one God or the other religions of the world. He's very, very elementary in it. Uh, and then Wes, you have a lot of people out there like that that doesn't necessarily know their faith in a strong way. And then you have the faithful, I'm Sean, and this is basically a, a, a guy who's plugged into a church, knows what is following Christ, has routines in his life, he wants to be a blessing to others, and he's fully embraced that as a life for, uh, for the rest of his life, and he's walking in that. Now, that, that's seven people that represent seven categories, and they said almost everybody in America fits in one of these categories for the most part. Almost everybody. And so it would be good... As you're listening, right, from week two, which category would this person find themselves being in? What are you exactly talking, who are you talking to here, and how receptive are they, okay? It, it would be good to actually listen for receptivity. Where, where, who is this person I'm dialoguing with? And then maybe thinking about the context and what you can share, when you can share. But all seven of these categories are all open to two things, community Anything that will offer them a semblance of community and love. The second thing is purpose. They all want to live for something greater than themselves. Especially the younger generation. They will go commit to a cause that makes no sense. But it, and I'm not saying all of them don't make any sense. I'm just saying that this is, you will watch this happen in the younger generation. They will go be part of something that's not actually consistent logically. But they will commit to it because if it gives purpose to their lives. It gives them promise of living for something greater than themselves. They can be a part of this. And so many of the younger generation are looking for something to be a part of that's greater than themselves. Purpose and community. Two grounds on which all seven categories will meet you on. Okay? As you're in conversations with people. Uh, uh, next, share it without being forceful. Seed is thrown on the ground. And you see the symbolism here? He doesn't say, go and get the wrecking ball and break up that ground. No, he's saying it's casting seed. It's casting seed. Seeds to be weak. Um, you don't have to be forceful in your talk. Many people that you talk to, you're going to feel a frustration. that there's, They're either resistant to it or whatever it might be. Um, and that's okay. You know, Jesus sending out the 72, he said, uh, if, they, if they have not received your messages, wipe your feet. The dust off your feet and say, and that's a symbol of saying, I've done my responsibility here. I, I'm not supposed to, to force you into being a Christian or opening your heart to the word. I, this is, that's not me. That's you and God. I'm, I'm just a sower. I, I, I cast it out there as opportunity presents itself. I shared from my heart what God's done for me, and I put it there. I'm not supposed to come and force you. So, but your tendency can be to increase uh, the force the more you run into resistance from people, and you have to be careful with that. I'm not saying don't share uh, with emotion and all those sorts of things, uh, but share without being forceful. It could be the more forceful you get because you get frustrated in something, uh, the more their wall goes up between you and them, and you probably have lost some opportunity because you feel like you're just coming on too strong. That's why you shop for a car on Sunday. Because nobody's there to go, sign the deal, sign the deal, sign the deal. Hey, 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 hey. See, nobody likes that. No one wants to be feel like rushed and forced 
Um, and it's seed. Remember? Okay, so share without being forceful. Share your story. Your story is awesome because you're the expert. No one can really argue with you about what's happened to you and your story and your life and what God's done for you. It's a great place to go. You find an opportunity. The door is open. Share your story. Just, you're, it's even non-confrontational. You're not even telling somebody else what they need to do or how bad they are. You're just saying, here's what happened to me. Testify. Jesus said to the demoniac, you remember him? Cut himself, lives in the tombs, madman, uh, chains, couldn't hold him, uh, and they wanted to chain him down. And Jesus comes and touches his life, and he's made whole in a moment. He, he's in his right mind. It says he's sitting up in his right mind, and because he's so touched... He wants to follow Jesus all the days of his life. He said, I'll go with you wherever you want to go. And Jesus said, nope, go to your hometown and tell what God has done for you. So your story could be a powerful message of the kingdom to other people in your life. Share it. Share it liberally. Have courage. Every step in your relationship to share the message of the kingdom is going to feel risky. You're going to risk relational capital. You got a friend, you know that they're not a Christian, the opportunity presents itself, you can share a faithful something of Christ, uh, whatever it might be, invite them to church, invite them to an event, maybe, maybe tell them your story, maybe share something that God did in your life from his word, and you can share. You are going to risk relational capital. You will feel in your heart that this person, I'm going to lose them as a friend, they're going to reject me, or I'm not going to get invited to so-and-so, or I'm going to be the outcast. And you're going to feel the risk of that. And you know what? In that moment, in all the appropriate ways we talked about, take the risk. That's when you take the risk. It might call for that. It might end up in that. Be faithful. Be faithful in that moment. Have the courage. Um, you might get tagged as a fill in the blank, whatever that might be. However we're viewed by the world out there, you could get tagged. Take the risk. Be faithful. Share. And then be an inviter. Andrew said to his brother Peter, just come and see. He's like, it's almost like, hey, Peter, I'm not arguing with you. <laughs> I, 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 just come see what I saw. Right? Be an inviter. Be a person that knows how to invite people and just include them in your life. And take them along with you to things. Invite them to thrive. Invite them to a movie with the ladies. Invite them to a, a Bible study. Invite them to life group. Invite them to dinner. Invite them to anything. Be an inviter. It's a powerful way to do that. You can invite people because 75% of people in America from Barna says they will go to church or any event that a friend invites them to. That a friend invites them to. The next level yield is like 17% and it's like for, for a commercial or something back in, back in the day. So most people, if invited by a friend, would be willing to go and be a part of, of something. So in your conversations, community, and purpose. Be an inviter. It's helpful. You can spread the word of the kingdom in that way. So we close the series today. You made it. We crossed the finish line. And I know I'm late this morning and you're like, let me go to lunch. Okay. Let's keep the front, these principles in front of us this year. Think of it like a dashboard in your car. Continue to read the book, finish the book, but keep it like a dashboard in your car every day. You're thinking about these things. You're thinking about being a blessing in the people around you. You don't have to wear yourself out. 
just weave it into your daily life and process this year. Keep it in the dashboard. Keep it in front of you. And let's see what God does this year through our lives. Amen? Amen. Let's commit to that together. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Uh, Lord, thank you for this series. And Lord, we want to be a blessing to the people around us. And Lord, we know we're powerless for that. So Lord, make us a people of prayer. Make a people of understanding who seek to understand. Lord, who maximize our meal times with people to really have conversations with, with people. To serve and love people as they have needs around us. To see those opportunities and act. And Lord, to share. Share faithfully your word. Whatever you press on our hearts, give us the words to say. And Lord, I know many people in this room feel as though I don't know what to say. I don't know enough. Thank you that we don't have to be experts. We just have to be faithful. So Lord, in those moments when we feel intimidated, give us the words and the boldness and help us to share faithfully and represent you well. And Lord, through all of this, be glorified in your church, be glorified in our community. And oh Lord, that we would see our community transformed by the seed of the gospel the seed of the word of the kingdom. Take it. Move in it. Move in hearts. Lord, we have many hearts around our church and our community that are very much like that path. Very dismissive toward anything that a Christian would have to say. Lord, move in our midst. Soften that soil. Bring a revival, as Pastor Casey prayed earlier. Bring awakening. And Lord, our little feeble approach, like those kids singing that song, Take Up and Read, would you just use that, whatever it is we have to offer, would you use it and bring great conviction and conversion in the hearts of people in our community? Change the landscape of Central Texas as we yield our hearts to you totally. Use us, Lord, and bless. It is the desire of our hearts that our lives will be used for this purpose. Do it. And we ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me all across the room? Let's sing this song together. Do business with the Lord.